So I want to talk to you about guarding your heart, okay? And I know the theme is tied into here um, the impact that your heart has on your home. And really, if you can't guard your heart, you're not going to be able to guard your home. You're not going to be able to guard your marriage. You're not going to be able to guard your children and your grandchildren. So it's so important. There, there, there's a, a brief verse of scripture uh, that Solomon penned. And one of the modern translations puts it this way. It's found in Proverbs chapter 4. And it says, above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. Now, I don't know what above all else means to you. To me, it means above all else. More important than anything, above all else, guard your heart, for it affects everything you do. Now, everybody doesn't believe that, though. It'd be nice if our whole world said, you know, I agree with what Solomon said here, but they don't. Some people would say, no, no, that's not true. Above all else, you need to guard your money. Because if you don't have enough money, you can't be happy. So work hard above everything else. Others would say, no, that's not true. Yeah, above all else, you need to guard your time. Because it doesn't matter how rich you are, if you don't have any time to spend that money, what's the big deal? And others would say, no, you're both wrong. Above all else, guard your health. Because you can be rich and you can have all sorts of time, but if you're laying in ICU somewhere and you're not healthy, what good does it do you? But you know what? They're all wrong. Solomon was right. Above all else, we need to guard our heart. Because it doesn't matter if you're rich, and it doesn't matter if you're healthy. It doesn't matter how much time you have. It matters the condition of your heart. And if, if we don't take dominion over our heart, if we don't take dominion over our spirit and our thoughts and our mind and our emotions, then someone or something else will take dominion over us. Absolutely true. Proverbs 25, 28 says, Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. You know, I've seen a lot of broken down homes, a lot of broken down marriages, a lot of broken down relationships between parents and children. And this whole picture that Solomon uh, pens for us here in Proverbs 25, if you don't have rule over your own spirit, your own emotions, your own intentions, your own desires, then you are like a defenseless city. Your walls are broken down. And I, I think about how this is such a vivid picture of our world today. Broken down homes, broken down cities, defenseless people, because they're not guarding their hearts. They've not surrendered their hearts to Jesus Christ. And I won't bore you with this, but let me give you a couple of the statistics that prove this point, that you know we have a nation with broken down walls. Nearly 88 million people in our country are chemically dependent or are in a relationship with somebody who is. And one out of every four families in America suffers from alcohol or drug-related problems. One out of four. 37 million people are food addicts in our culture now. 30 million are children of alcoholics. Four million are compulsive gamblers. 25 to 35% of the women in America suffer sexual abuse before they even reach adulthood. More women are killed every year by domestic violence, by people who are supposed to love them more than anyone else, than the entire number of soldiers killed in the Vietnam War, which is over 58,000. Every year that happens, domestic violence. And nearly half of all first-time marriages end in divorce. Immorality abounds. Pornography revenue worldwide is over $75 billion a year. We could feed our world 
with pornography revenue. So yeah, there are some walls that are broken down and some people that are in dire need. So what, what's the real problem? Well, the problem is the heart of man. People don't have dominion over their own heart. Now, Jeremiah warned us, the prophet in the Old Testament, that the heart is deceitful and wicked, okay? So we better make sure we maintain it properly. That's the problem, the heart of man. What's the solution? The heart of man, okay? If you surrender your heart to God, the problems begin to go away because everything begins with the condition of your heart. I mean, we read about this way back in the Old Testament in the writings of Moses. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 5 says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then he says, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. I tell people everywhere I go in my travels, if you're not a person of the word in 21st century America, you're in big trouble. You're not going to survive without the truth that can set you free. You have to put God's word in your heart. <clears throat> now, heart disease, physical heart disease, is the number one killer in America. Most everybody probably knows that. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, in our country, we have approximately 323 million people, of which... Over 80 million of them have one or more forms of cardiovascular disease. And many of them are moving toward a heart attack and they're totally unaware of it. Cardiovascular diseases claim nearly a million lives every single year in our country. And I, you know, you say, well, why is that? I mean, did the creator not design the heart to work right? Is, is it defective from birth? No. We know the reason why <clears throat> so many people die of cardiovascular disease. They don't take care of their heart. They don't eat right. They don't exercise properly. They don't get enough sleep. They live with a constant diet of stress and anxiety. And, you know, eventually their heart gives out. So the number one spiritual disease in America is also heart disease. And for the same reason, people don't take care of their spiritual heart, just like they don't take care of their physical heart. Although there's a great irony here. Some people will pay big money to have memberships in fitness clubs and spend a lot of time on the treadmill and doing their exercises and lifting their weights and going jogging and doing their yoga and everything that people do and totally ignore the spiritual man. They'll take care of the physical heart, but not the spiritual heart. Jesus said of the people in his day, Matthew 15, 8. These people draw near to me with their mouth, but their heart is far from me. It's not much different today. I mean, he said that several thousand years ago. There's a bunch of people, they're drawing near to me with their mouth. They're saying the right stuff. They're going through the motions. They look good on the outside, but their heart is far from me. You know, your heart is not automatically in tune with God and right with God just because you show up for church a couple times a week, okay? This is what was happening in Jesus' day. So let's go back to the physical heart analogy because I want to help you get this. Do you know, or how do you know? How do you know if you have physical heart disease? And some of you might say, well, you know, you, you feel certain things. You, you feel discomfort in your chest. You break out in a sweat. You have shortness of breath. Uh, your left arm tingles and doesn't feel right. Yeah, all that stuff's true. But you don't really know what's going on because you get some of those symptoms. 
Others might say, well, you can take a stress test. You run on that treadmill and they inject you with nuclear dye and they scope it all out and watch what's going on. Partially true. But if you really absolutely 100% want to know if you have heart disease physically, you need a heart catheterization. Okay, I, I, went, I was at risk from birth. There's something genetically with me. My mom had quintuple heart bypass surgery. My dad had triple heart bypass surgery. He had a heart attack. Um, I'm at risk to some extent, no matter how fit I try to be. So through the years, I've had a lot of stress tests. You know what? Passed them all. I can run on that treadmill like a wild man. And, uh, you know, I had one just six months ago, and uh, they said, man, you know, are you ready to fall over? I said, no, let's keep going. And they're going, man, how old are you anyway? <clears throat> and I passed it with flying colors. But that is not conclusive proof because I've had them, and it wasn't until I had a heart catheterization that I knew that I had blockage in my heart, okay? So how do you know if you have spiritual heart disease? And how do you find out? Well, you need a spiritual heart catheterization, okay? Because that's the only way you can find out if you have blockage. The only way if you can find out there's stuff in the way. Now, in Hebrews, it says the word of God, <clears throat> God's word, the Holy Bible, is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. You want to see what your heart's like, you have to get into the word of God. And, and you know what? There are so many ways that we can do that. You cannot be lazy about this, or you can be ignoring symptoms. David cried out, search me, O God, know my heart, see if there be some wicked way in me. He, he prayed that God would cleanse his heart and renew his heart, and we need to do the same thing. Now, nearly 50%, which I've already stated, of all marriages end in divorce in our country. But you know that the other 50% are not all that happy? <clears throat> Just because they're still married, uh, a large percentage of them don't really love each other. They're still together, but they have heart disease, okay? I wonder if you can remember, those of you that are married, your courtship love for your spouse. I mean, it's a special time. There are some people that maintain that love relationship for life. But I wonder if you remember your initial love for Jesus Christ. And do you love him now more than you did when you first fell in love with him, or do you love him less? Things can happen in our relationships where the love begins to wane, okay? Jesus is speaking to his bride through John the Revelator, um, <clears throat> it, about the church in Ephesus, okay? And he says, I know your works. He's talking to the church. Let's assume he's talking to us today. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, and you have persevered, and you have patience, and you've labored for my name's sake. I read that. Man, these guys in Ephesus, they sound like the church. They sound pretty good, right? If they were say, if God was saying that about you and about me, about us, that, you know, I know your works. I watch you labor. I, I, you know, I see your patience and, and how you persevere and you hate evil and you love good and all this stuff. But then the revelator uses a word that we really don't want to hear. Nevertheless. When you hear nevertheless, it's kind of like, yeah, you're doing pretty good, but... Nevertheless, I have this against you. You've left your first love. 
You see, couples can have a love relationship of duty or obligation, and we can do the same thing with our relationship with God. Okay, they were doing that in emphasis. Religious activity will never be a substitute for genuine love in our relationship with Jesus Christ. We, we can do that, though. <clears throat> we do it in, in our physical world. We do it in our spiritual world. Couples in counseling tell me all the time as they're defending their love. You know, they say, hey, come on, I work hard. And uh, I bring home a paycheck. In fact, I work two jobs. And the, the wife is saying, yeah, well, who do you think does the laundry around here? And who's taking care of the kids? And, and who's cooking all these meals? And who's going Chinese? And then who's mowing the lawn? And who's shoveling the, the sidewalk in the winter and all this stuff? And eventually, though, the people get to the place where they say, yeah, I know you do all that. But do you love me? I can hire someone to mow the lawn. I can hire someone to cook the meals. I can hire someone to clean the house. But do you love me? That's not what it's about. You're doing stuff. The same thing can happen in the church where we can say, I've got a ministry. I help out with this. I teach Sunday school. I'm involved in music. I, you know, I make sacrifices for the kingdom of God. That's kind of what the Ephesus people were like. But then Jesus says, yeah, but do you love me? I mean, you can do all, I, I can preach all over the world. God is not impressed, okay? He wants to know if I love him. I can't say, yeah, but I do all sorts of stuff. I study real hard. I create seminars. I've got a website. He said, I don't care. Do you love me? You know, you can pastor the church here, but do you, he wants to know if you really love him. So Jesus puts it this way. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He wants your heart. So where's your treasure? We all have to answer that question. And how do we do that? I mean, how do we really know what we love the most in life? How do we really know what we treasure? Here's a reality for every one of us, and I don't have to know you personally to tell you this. This is true. We all give the most affection and the most attention and the most time to what we cherish the most. In other words, if I could watch a one-week video of you, everything you do, I'd figure out what you cherish, what you love. And there's a lot of things that capture our affection. Some of them are very good, and many of them are necessary. I mean, uh, family should capture our affection and our attention and our time. You know, our jobs, our careers, we have a responsibility. The church should. But how much time should we dedicate to God and his kingdom? In other words, how much love does he need? How much love does he desire? What's his answer? Well, he already answered it scripturally. Old Testament and New, he said, you need to love me with all your heart. Not part of your heart, not part-time love, not a casual relationship. You need to love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. So how much do you really love God? Can you say, yeah, that's me. I love him with all my heart, and it, it shows up in my lifestyle all the time. I would say, if you say, yeah, that's me, I, I really, really love God with all my heart, I would say, well, how do you show that love? How do you express that love? How does your heart really represent that love? And how big of a place does God occupy in your heart? Because there's all sorts of stuff that can get in our heart. Identifying your priorities in life will reveal the condition of your heart. Because everyone makes daily choices about who or what 
will get the most of their time and the most of their attention and the most of their affection. We all do that. Our hearts cannot live in a vacuum, okay? Something will capture the affection of your heart. For some people, it's community service. They, they're really involved. They, they have a heart for it. For some, it's their hobby. They go nuts, you know? It could be sports. It could be music. It could be art. It could be anything. For some, it's the family. For some, it's their business. For some, it's entertainment options. For some, it is sports. For some, it might be shopping. Tragically, for some, it's drugs. For some, it's alcohol. For some, it's pornography and other addictions. For some, it's a relationship with God. For some, it's working in his kingdom and reaching out to lost people and spending time with God and talking to him in prayer and reading his love letters in the Bible. But the things we love the most always show up in our lifestyle. I, you know, I can say it uh, unkindly maybe, because <laughs> I'm not the pastor and you can't really kick me out yet. Um, if you don't hardly ever read God's word, you don't love God's word. If you don't hardly ever pray, you don't love prayer. You don't love talking to God. It's that simple because we do what we love. We do what we're passionate about. The things we love always show up in our lifestyle. And, and the importance of this heart issue, the importance of the heart of man is absolutely well documented in God's word. The, the scriptures talk about the heart repeatedly. They talk about a tender heart. Is your heart tender? They talk about a proud heart, an unfeeling heart. It talks about a broken heart and a contrite heart. A humble heart, a discerning heart, a hard heart, a clean heart. We're told to rend our hearts, to seek God with all our hearts, to pour our hearts out to God. We're warned of those who deceive their own hearts and backslide in their hearts and spurn reproof in their hearts and regard wickedness in, in their hearts. And I could go on and on with that for a while. The Bible is filled with things about the heart. So I come away saying, no wonder Solomon says, above all else, guard your heart because it affects everything you do. It affects your reputation. It affects your character. It affects your employment. It affects your family. It affects affects everything about you. Now we have two kingdoms in the world that are contending for our affection in life. Did you know that? We have the kingdom of God, which is spiritual, and we have the kingdom of this world, which is physical. And guess what? They're not compatible. They don't get along at all. They are moving in exact opposite directions. They are diametrically opposed to one another, and they have completely different agendas. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of the world are two kingdoms with totally different agendas and you cannot give your affection to both. Yet people try to do that, okay? But you can't. Jesus said, Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. No one can. You can't. I can't. For either he will hate the one and love the other or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. So here's the real struggle, though. We live in this world, and it does have a strong influence in our lives to our carnal nature. Our carnal nature is attracted to the many pleasures that this world has to offer, and the spirit of this world steals affection away from God. So if you give your love and your affection to the spirit of this world, then you will lose your love relationship with your God. They are not compatible. 
You can't have it both ways. And, you know, we see how this shows up in the end. The wages of sin is death, okay? And uh, your sins will find you out. This is a, an eternal biblical truth. So we have people that look good on the outside. You know, they honor God with their words, but their heart is far from him. And then one day they crash and burn, and everybody's surprised going, what happened to Louie? You know? <laughs> he was such a spiritual man. No, he wasn't. He, he was flirting with the world, okay? Now, I understand. Nobody's going to fall in love with Satan. He's as ugly as it gets, okay? But a lot of people are infatuated with his kingdom. The kingdom appeals to them, but having a love affair with the world is akin to having a spiritual mistress. And James chimes in on this. In James chapter 4, verse 4, he says, Adulterers and adulteresses. And he's speaking figuratively, okay? He says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? And then listen to this bold statement. Whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You want to be a friend of this world, you will become an enemy with God who created you. You can't serve two masters and you can't have two lovers. That's an eternal truth. Okay, so there's a guy named Ray Kroc. Maybe you've heard of him. He founded McDonald's, okay? Maybe you've heard of McDonald's place with the really bad hamburgers. <clears throat> Sorry for the McDonald's fans here, but uh, it's not. If you, want, if you want to cultivate heart disease, eat at McDonald's every day, <clears throat> okay? Ray Kroc founded McDonald's, and they asked him an interesting question many, many years ago. He's dead now, but they said, what do you believe in, Ray? He said, I believe in God my family, and McDonald's. And I, when I read that the first time, I thought, hey, good for you, Ray. That's, a, that's in the right order. Cool. And he said, but when I go to the office, I reverse the order. See, that's not right. Now, we don't say that, but sometimes we do reverse the order in certain scenarios. God's no longer first place. He doesn't have our hearts captured, okay? But the job becomes more important. The recreation becomes more important. The pleasure becomes more important. The sin becomes more important. We can't do it like Ray was doing it. Yeah, you believe in God, family, and McDonald's. Don't reverse the order. Go to work and believe in God first. So I wonder how serious God really is about us not loving the world. Okay, familiar scripture in 1 John. He says, do not love the world neither the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father's not in him. Now that ought to get our attention because that's dangerous. You love the world, the love of the Father's not in you. And I can preach this almost anywhere to Christian people and I can quote what John said. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world and people shake their heads affirmatively. Okay? And they say, yeah, we really shouldn't love the world too much, should we? But it doesn't say don't love the world too much. It says don't love the world at all. Okay, so where do we draw the line regarding our involvement in this world? I mean, we, we have to work, we have to eat, we have to socialize, we've got neighbors, we've got co-workers, we do, but you need to remember that we are in the world, but not of it. Our citizenship is in heaven, not in this world, okay? <clears throat> so I've got a really big question for you to ponder. This God that loves us so much that he went to Calvary and died for us, who wants us to love him with all of our heart, 
will he tolerate a little bit of flirting? How many of you are married? Will your spouse tolerate a little bit of flirting? I mean, if my wife and I are walking through Southridge Mall and I'm winking at all the girls <laughs> and saying, hey, what are you doing later? Do you think my wife's going to say, ah, it's no big deal. He's just a flirt. <laughs> He's fine. I mean, you think God's going to tolerate a little bit of flirting when he loves you and wants you to love him with all your heart? The scripture says... A thief can be restored and forgiven if he pays back sevenfold. In other words, if you get a hold of my wallet later when I'm not looking and you take out a $20 bill, I will forgive you when I catch you, but you owe me 140 bucks. But the scripture also says jealousy is a husband's fury. He will not be appeased though you give him many gifts. You can pay him back sevenfold. He will not be appeased. He's furious. And our God is the same. I, we've got the Ten Commandments, right? That's pretty big stuff. Do you know what the first one says? I think you put the most important one first. You shall have no other gods before me, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Our God is jealous. He won't tolerate a little bit of flirting. We need to get things right. Now, to the church in Ephesus who had developed spiritual heart disease, you know what Jesus said through John? He said, you need to repent and do the first works. I'm not interested so much in the works you're doing. Yeah, you're rolling your sleeves up. You're mowing the lawn at the church. You're ushering. You're teaching Sunday school. Big deal. You need to repent and do the first works. You used to love me with all your heart. <clears throat> You've left your first love. It's a mundane routine now. It's just something you're doing. I think the Lord's saying the same thing to the church today. I think there's need for repentance today. I think there are many people who honor him with their lips, but their heart is far from him. And we need to decide who we're really in love with. And hopefully it is Jesus Christ. Hopefully he's number one. And we need to make sure that our hearts are right. And to do that, we need to spend a lot of time with him. Because that's where love really grows. You know, love grows in our spiritual relationship with God through prayer and through the word of God. If you seldom pray and you seldom read God's word and you seldom come to church to fellowship with other believers who love God, it's a representation of an area where you're lacking in your love relationship. So I look at all this stuff and I say, well, can we do this? I mean, can, can we resist the many temptations we face every day in our world? Can we resist all of the things contending for our affection? Can we really totally surrender our hearts to God? And I would qualify my question and say, that's not even the real question. Can we do this? No, it's will we do this? We can do this if we want to. But do we want to? Do you want a relationship with a savior or a deceiver. You fall in love with the world. The God of this world is a deceiver, okay? <clears throat> and his agenda every single minute of every single day is only to steal, kill, and destroy. 
He never has a good day. He's never on your side. He never cuts you any slack. He never loves you. He hates you. He is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And guess what? He wants to devour you. But notice it says he's like a roaring lion. You don't need to be all that fearful. He's a pretender. He's a deceiver. That's his ammunition, deception. So he tries to deceive you into thinking that the world is a better deal than your God. There's no better deal than God. Do you want your heart filled with the love of God or the lust of the flesh, with the spirit of this world? I don't know about you, but I want my heart to be right. And do I have to work on that? All the time. It's a daily thing. I've been serving God for 43 years, and uh, it's still a struggle some days. Okay, because the heart of man is deceitful and wicked, and who can know it? If I don't surrender it to God, I can get sidetracked. And off on some stupid tangent, I can start caring more about the things of this world. And they don't even have to be sinful. You can get wrapped up in all sorts of stuff that people might even pat you on the back for and say, you're doing a good job. Yeah, but where's God in the picture? He's supposed to fit into everything if, if our heart is really right. So I'm going to close in a minute or two here. If our musicians are going to come back, you can come up now. Um, where are we really at right now? It's time for a heart checkup for everybody here, okay? But you know what? A lot of people really fear that, especially men. They, they don't want to go to the cardiologist. They don't want to go to the doctor. They don't want to find... There's probably a few stories here where you've acted like an idiot. You've got all the symptoms, but you're going, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. I mean, my dad waited until halftime of the Packer game to drive himself to the hospital when he had a heart attack because he wanted to make sure Brett Favre was doing all right. <laughs> Men do that. <clears throat> There's lots of denial. You know what? There's denial in the spiritual realm too. So 14 years ago, I lived close to Whitnall Park in the far west end of Franklin. So I'm... It's real close. I go there a lot. So I'm walking in Whitnall Park, and I do that all the time, okay? Walk there hundreds and hundreds of times. I am uh, from here to where I park my car outside your building. Away from my car, I'm at the conclusion of my walk, and suddenly I'm getting all these heart symptoms. I break out in a sweat, and it's a nice, cool fall day. And I wasn't running. I'm just walking. And I, I get this pain down my left arm, and I'm, I'm hyperventilating, and I've got shortness of breath, and I got chest pain. I could not get to my car, okay? And again, I've, I've had multiple stress tests where they say, you're doing just fine. I had to sit down on the curb at Whitnall Park and look at my car there, and I don't know if I'm even going to be able to make it there. So... <clears throat> I had one of those old-fashioned flip phones in my pocket. I could have called my wife, but I'm all right. Why would I worry her? <laughs> I'm a man. And so I sat there, and I tried to collect my breath, and I did some praying and begging. I tried to remind God I'm one of the good guys, and, you know. <clears throat> Eventually, things calmed down. I probably sat there for a half hour, and I slowly made my way back to my car, and I got to the house, and my wife said, like she typically does, how was your walk? I said, I was good. I had a good time. <laughs> I wasn't really even willing to share what I had just gone through because I didn't want to scare her. I knew I didn't have a problem anyway. 
See, denial can always be a part of it. But I did have a problem. And eventually I came to my senses and I did go to the hospital and I forced them to do an angiogram where, you know, they go up through this major vein and with a camera and they got a little doctor in a submarine who looks things over. And, um, and yeah, I had 100% blockage in the biggest left artery I had. And so they had to put a stent in my heart. I probably could have died from that, okay? But I was, I was in denial prior to that point. Don't be in denial about spiritual heart disease. I mean, you can pretend everything's okay, but you, you really do know what you're supposed to do. And let me remind you, if, if you just take inventory of your life, who gets most of your attention? Who gets most of your time? Who gets most of your affection? Do you ever say like David said, Oh, how I love thy law. It's my meditation all the day. Do you ever hide God's word in your heart so you won't sin against God? Do you ever find yourself overwhelmed when you read about how much he loves you and what he did on Calvary to die for you? Do you have a vibrant love relationship? In other words, is your heart right? So I'm inviting you today, and you can stand to your feet. I, I'm going to invite you to come and see the great physician. I haven't trusted every doctor I've ever gone to. Some of them I don't connect with. Some of them I want, I mean, I had a major back surgery a long, long time ago, and, and the doctor looked like he was in eighth grade, you know? My dad even said, is this guy a junior high schooler or what? He's the back surgeon? <laughs> So sometimes, you know, appearances can be deceiving, but today we're, talk we're talking about the great physician. We're talking about Jesus Christ, who is the healer, and you know what he's dispensing today at this altar? Free heart catheterizations. You don't need insurance. You, you don't need anybody's approval to get the procedure. You don't need to fill out a bunch of paperwork. And guess what? It doesn't even hurt. Now, there may be some uh, godly sorrow that produces tears that will lead to repentance, but that's good, okay? But we can come, every one of us, and say, Lord, search my heart today. See if there's any blockage. See if there's any pride. See if there's unresolved conflict. See if there's anger. See if there's bitterness. See if I haven't forgiven somebody that I should have forgiven. See if there's lust looming in the background and clogging up the arteries of my heart and making it extremely difficult, if not impossible, for you to do what you want to do in my life. You can come and surrender all of that to God. He'll do the catheterization. He'll show you where the blockage is, and then he'll clean it out. The Word of God will discern the thoughts and the intentions of your heart. And God will totally clear those arteries out. And it's not going to be some medicated stent that might last for 15 years and you're back in for another procedure. This can last on into eternity if you want it to, okay? And you don't have to stay, you don't have to stay overnight, okay? You, you don't have to spend days or weeks recovering from this procedure. You don't have to miss work tomorrow. You can leave here shortly with a heart catheterization spiritually and go out to lunch and spend time with your family and do whatever you had planned for today, but with a brand new heart. And I think that's a pretty good deal. So will you come and spend some time with him today? Come right now and uh, let's just be open and honest to him and say, Lord, I'm here because I think maybe I got some blockage. And I'd like you to examine my heart today. 
and see how I'm doing. And he'll do his part. God bless you. Just a